Hi everyone and welcome to episode 192 of the Mighty Whites podcast. I'm Jack, always, as always, joined by KC. You alright? Uh, yeah, I am now. I've been hacking up a lung for what feels like two weeks at this point. but It, it does sound be... like it's stuck halfway in your throat, but yeah. Oh, does my voice sound that bad? I can't... I'm used to it. It sounds way better than it did yesterday, I can say that. It's, uh, for a very niche reference, prime Mick Foley on uh, the rise and fall of ECW. Uh, well, I was going to say, you should have heard uh, Sarah yesterday, because the only word that you could say in her voice was Wazowski, because that's exactly how she sounded. <laughs> Bugger, sorry. There might be a few of them. It's been happening. Um, but yeah, but other than that, I'm good. How are you, mate? Better. <laughs> don't even have to be good just better than you and you know it <laughs> um yeah so this is episode 192 of the Mike Lights podcast which is subtitled lousy smart football uh which we may well have we may well have used before but that's gonna keep being used i think uh and this is basically the entire discourse about newcastle nil leeds nil the battle of performance versus result because like a nil-nil draw at Newcastle is undoubtedly a good result. There is no, it's not even up for debate. It's a fantastic result. But we were just shit and lucky, weren't we? <laughs> it's yeah, the, the idea that we weren't playing defensively, we were playing poor and having to defend, and not exactly defending well. So. The thing that started to really get to me to a certain to a point in the in the second half, especially, was when a cross would come in because there was always a cross, and it got headed out of the penalty area. Like three players would go after it, and then a second cross would go in, and there'd just be so much space because three players have gone and not got near the ball and taken themselves out of the game. Yeah, there was there was a lot in this game that wasn't. I mean, I suppose the the main thing the main thing that I'm taking from it, is, other than the result, obviously, is Melier's performance because he was outstanding, and he's had a few this year, and it's it's really good to see him having a game where he's back to his best. But yeah, I don't think we can. There is nothing about that performance that I could say was like an effective performance. We didn't get a nil nil because we restricted them to nothing. They had, well, I believe the official big chances thing, which I think is like chances that are like 0.25 XG or more, something like that. Hmm. Might be 0.2. But I, but I believe by the official stats, they had seven big chances. Did we really have eight shots in this game? Uh, yeah, but they were nearly all piss weak. There was only Rodrigo's one. But, you know, which in fairness, Nick Pope made a good save from. That was the only decent effort we had. Yeah, I, I'm um, just surprised it was that many. I, there was because I just remember, I don't remember who it was now. Was it Nonto smashed one over in the first half? Rodrigo had that save, and for for me, that's about it. It was a bit like that, which weirdly, like for the first half, that sounds an awful lot like the Man City game. But we, yeah, it was a really good result, but I can't. I think that he's, we're sort of getting away with one a little bit with the public perception of it from Leeds fans. Because it's not everyone, but some people are really un, seem to be under the impression that we, we did well to get a draw, that we did well and deserved a draw. 
and we just didn't. If that game had been three 0 to Newcastle, it would have been absolutely reasonable. Yeah, I was I was talking with someone at work earlier about this, where in terms of like Melier's performance, it was not quite as good, but it was akin to Nigel Martin versus Roma, and I was like, that's fine. That happened, you know, that sort of game where you just face wave after wave of attack. That happens to teams. You know, that Roma team were a very good team. The Man City were a very good team. Newcastle, if you're telling me the defensive strategy was concede free kicks in wide areas for Kieran Trippier to put crosses in to all their big lads and hope he doesn't have a good game, it's a terrible, terrible defensive plan. Yeah, because that's... uh, well. We were in the end. I will actually say the term lucky enough because I think that it did help with like watching the game. We ended up watching the second half of this with a Newcastle fan in the yes. pub, a very reasonable Newcastle fan who was just quite nice about everything. But there's three kicks that Trippier took in the second half, the dead balls, were for the most part terrible, and he doesn't do that very often. And they still looked dangerous from them even then. If he'd have had a good day with set pieces, it could have been really odd. Uh, we sort of stepped away from the 4-3-3 for this one, went back to the 4-2-3-1. Uh, we did something that we did earlier in the season, which I didn't like then and I don't like now. Uh, Allenson played out right, out on the right, which is fine. Nonto on the left, which is also fine. But Harrison played as the 10. And I would, ask, I would argue in this game, Jack Harrison also played on the left. <laughs> Because yeah, that's was, where he kept popping up. Yeah, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? Because there were we offered so little going forward that it's hard to even talk about the attacking structure because there barely was one. Like Rodrigo was up front, but other than that shot, I can't remember him touching the ball. No, and that's so, not so much his fault. <laughs> no, but it, it's I I know I know Rodrigo's not going to get a lot of touches out of these two games, given the calibre of opposition. But, you know, that that is now two games now where he, he has done very little. Now, suppose you kind of give him the credit that the one time he got in a good area, he, he made the keeper make a save against Newcastle. But um, the, the, the fact that for two games running now, when we've had possession in, in counter-attacking positions as well, not just playing the ball out of defence. We've just not been able to connect more than three passes in a row to, to move the ball up the pitch. In the amount of times we, we give the ball away around the edge of the centre circle in our own half was, was just daft. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to find the exact number. But there was a stat going around. I know it was Johnny Cooper that tweeted it, so I'll quickly look at his... Uh... Is it the number of turnovers? Uh, there it is. Luckily, it's the last thing he tweeted. In the second half against Newcastle, Leeds completed 59 passes. It's the fewest they've completed in a half of football without being down to 10 men since March 2015. Ooh. Um, Yeah, we just... Sat back. We in the now that's the in the first half we just didn't play very well. In the second half we didn't play very well and we sat back. Uh, it really there was very little good about it. I found some of the team selection interesting and it was it was sort of fair enough I suppose. Like I was very surprised that Forshaw started over Locker. I know that Locker was shite against Man City, 
But I was still surprised. I think that that'll change back with the West Ham game. Um, and I was very surprised that Ailing starting over Christensen. Yeah, the only thing I can think with that is is the number of games we've got coming up in in a short space of time, and whether he was one of the ones he thought that he wanted to to rotate round. Um, although again, Christensen came on after what 60, 65 minutes or something like that. So, um, I'm just yeah. it's on here, but. But yeah, so so Christensen did come on anyway. Um, I was a bit surprised about Forshaw. Like again, like you say, I know Rocket didn't have a good game, but um, I, I suppose if you are taking it off base just off the Man City game, Forshaw did have a significantly better game than Rocket that day. But so did um, I, and I was in the stand up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't work. It did, the, it did help us having um, Tyler Adams back in the team. Yeah, that... just, just to add a bit of a bit of a bit of an engine in the middle. Yeah, like, I don't. Th- it wasn't his absolute best day, but he was. He was better. I think than... he was channeling his uh, his Mateus Click energy for for periods of that game and just winding Newcastle up more than anything. Yeah, they had a bit of a link up, didn't they, with that? Because it was a uh, him and click for the social media clip that they were sending out with the uh, waste a bit of time and then kick one ball at the other. I'd, I'm 50 50 on stuff like that because obviously we've spent a lot of time complaining about teams time wasting over the last sort of 18 months. I, su- I suppose in a game, if you're playing third in the table and it's nil nil and you're under the cosh. It, it absolutely makes sense to do. I just really hope it doesn't become a habit that this is yeah. how we have to play now. There is a thing that makes this slightly different. One, it's Leeds, and I'm a Leeds fan, so therefore I found that particular incident funny. Hmm. But the second actual more objective one is one, there was like a few minutes left and we were under the cosh. I have never been mad at teams time-wasting with 10 minutes left when we won the up. I've been annoyed at referees not stepping on it when it's the likes of Wolves time-wasting from literally the first minute. Yeah. Those are the ones that wind me up. And it's not even the teams that wind me up. It's the referee not doing anything about it. I say it every time. My kingdom for a referee will book someone for time-wasting in the first 10 minutes and just go, right, if anyone else does it, you're getting booked as well. And I don't care if it finishes 9v9. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we shit out the point. It's, it's very, we weren't good. We weren't good. Newcastle weren't at their best, but they were significantly better than us. I do wonder that if they'd have had uh, Alexander Isaac instead of Chris Wood, or even a fit Callum Wilson instead of Chris Wood, I think that might have been a different thing. Yeah, there's very little you can take away from that. Like defensively, we didn't play well. I can't say it was it was a good defensive performance. You know, it wasn't a tactic to to hold on to the nil-nil from the off. We just couldn't get forward. Yeah, ultimately, like you say, it's a very good point, given the circumstances, but God, was it awful to watch. Yeah. But don't get me wrong, like, if you'd have offered me that before the game, you'll be shite today and you'll draw nil-nil. I'd have snapped your hand off. Because, I mean, we both predicted the defeat in this game. 
uh, obviously, I actually ended up slightly better than you in the betting stakes just because they didn't start Mark Locker, so mine's void. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they. Uh, I would have snapped your hand off for that. I did see another thing that we should mention before we get onto the big the transfer news. Uh, you know, like 2022 has just not been fun as a Leeds fan at all. Yeah. There's been the odd moment, like Brentford in the end was fun, winning at Anfield, fun. But overall, it wasn't. Do you want some statistics on how not fun it has been? <laughs> Go on, then. These, uh, I, saw, I, I literally didn't see this until earlier today, although it was tweeted out, um, I'm assuming, on yeah, it was like on New Year's Eve. But uh, Christa, LUFC Data tweeted this out. Uh, since football was invented in 1992, uh, that 11 wins in 2022 is the fewest wins we've had in a calendar year. Uh, it's the most goals conceded per game at 1.95. It's the second lowest win percentage we've had in the calendar year, 28.2%. Uh, the second highest loss percentage, 51.3%. But also, the thing that I really found surprising, it's the second lowest number of goals scored in a year. Because the one thing that it did feel like was that we still scored some goals. But because so many of them were in 46-game seasons, <laughs> it's actually the uh, yeah the second fewest goals we've scored in a calendar year. Although we did, it is only three less than last year. It's just a bit of a weird one due to the number of Goals and stuff. Uh, do you want to guess which year it was that beat it? Uh, for fewest goals. Yeah. Let me see. Um, oh, easily under George Graham. So, what, 96? 96 is correct. 47. Yeah, that's that's the, the horrible back end of Wilco and, and George Graham. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, for it's worth, 2001 and 2009, we've scored 102 goals in those two years. That's the two biggest ones. But yeah, that has not been, that has not been a fun year. But 2023, new year, hopefully new leads. And it started with exactly what I wanted-ish. I said, I want January 1st, a left back through the door. And that has sort of happened. So Max Verber from RB Salzburg, £10 million, then add-ons if it goes well. Four and a half year deal until summer 2027. I've been, I've, I've since watched more, of it, you know, this is not proper scouting. I have since, you know, looked at more stuff on YouTube and read more things. He definitely seems more of a left-back than Pascal Strap. Hooray! So I am assuming he is going to be left back and Strauch is going to play left centre back. But that would make all the sense in the world, wouldn't it? So that's no, not going to happen. No, but he's a direct replacement for Liam Cooper. We're keeping Pascal Strauch as left back. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing that worried me, based on what I've done with him, and uh, I know Leeds Live put out a thing today. And he's going, oh, you know, he's very combative. He works hard. All the stuff that you want. But it said... It basically said lack of pace. And I went, oh, great. So when we set up a tactic where you can just hit long balls behind our fullbacks, he can't get back in. Ex excellent. We're going to have the exact same problems. Oh, but he's uh, seven foot eight. You can't get it over him. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a... I still think it's an odd... I mean, obviously, I hope he does brilliant. I hope that we're talking about how he's one of the best signings we've ever made. 
But why we haven't just bought an out-and-out left-back is absolutely beyond me. I mean... Bonnie Tyler knows the fullback we need. You know, he's got to be strong. He's got to be fast. He's got to be tough. Um, we need a hero, and we've got Verbran Furpo. <laughs> we need a Furpo. <laughs> if you could, like, te- if 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 Verbo is is technically up to it, and we could just give him Furpo's legs. God, like, always broken. Yeah, but the, when they are working faster. Also, the, the max power way. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, as I say, I think I, look, I, I don't know whether he's going to be a step up on Strauch or not, but I think it, provided the sensible, it will result in a step up for our defence. Because if he's as good a left-back as Strauch, but it means we get Strauch at left centre-back, that will improve our defence. It will also improve our passing out from the back, which has become fucking dreadful. Like, we have got so bad at playing our way out, and it's really becoming a problem. And from midfield. Yeah. But I think... The wiggers think aren't great either. No, the striker well, Nonto can't... Can, Nonto can run, though. I'll give Nonto that. He can run with a ball. Yeah. Um, there was one little added bonus from watching some clips of him. Can take a free kick. So an actual a left footed set piece option that isn't Jack Harrison. Yeah, it sounds like a good thing. Yeah. Uh but yeah, obviously no none of us are gonna watch any in, in, enough Austrian Bundesliga to be able to check if he's any good. Based on the bits I've seen, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll just be solid and no better than that. But I'm actually all right with that provided we like use it properly still it it just means that now i'd still love an actual left back but if we get a striker now and then maybe a center mid yeah i think the center mid will be in the summer though i, I was having this conversation yesterday with my mum where it generally got to the point where i went i think either this team probably needs like Six players, or it needs a better manager who would be fine with the players we've got. Now, I sort of didn't want to get into that. (laughs) Is it because Because we all get into that now? It's because I I like Jesse Marsh, he's a nice guy, (laughs) I just don't think he's any good. Because, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, even like, yes, we, we needed a signing, and, and yes, this is sort of what we needed. But it is also, it also smacks of, I, I'm sure Jesse will know someone. And it's just, like, we're getting the band back together. Yeah, it's a. There, there was um, a few people on about it, but I thought it was a good argument. One of them was Josh Hobbs. I don't remember who else was involved. But it's just saying we're signing players that are very suited to one manager. What happens for the next one? Like, if we stuck here, you know, if we got in a different coach, are they going to look at? I don't think they'd have any trouble with Adams or even Allenson for what it's worth, although he can be a bit technically limited. Are they going to look at Christensen and Verber and think, right, so 
I need a right back and a left back. This is kind of my issue with with the recruitment process at this point, because the idea is that if you have a director of football and you, and you have a, a recruitment team that is right, this is our style of play. We need to bring in bring in the next person who who suits that. And I, I get that every manager will have their differences. So if we brought someone in to replace Bielsa who's who's who didn't have a man to man system all over the all over the field, but still, you know, it was a more zonal based approach to it, but stuck to the high press, still played with width. Grand, you, you know, you, you're not going to recreate Bielsa in another manager, but you can you can have a similar style. But you've brought in a manager who is playing a totally different style that yes it presses but presses in a totally different way its shape is totally different so now we've we've got a squad where i, I replied to someone earlier who was talking about having dan james back for the run-in that's what well but we've got harrison nonto aronson somerville and, and sinistera we've got five wingers like dan james is what we need and he's not a striker but but we're now adding players to this squad that if if we'd have stuck to someone with a similar playing style, you wouldn't need to be signing these players. Like, I don't think we'd need to be signing a left-back if... Well, no, that's the worst we position to choose. We did that's need a left-back. <laughs> I don't think we'd need to sign another winger because we already had Jack Harrison there. We already had... Yeah, Rafinha needed replacing. Grand, we, let's go get Sinistera or let's promote Somerville. But the, the squad is just—it's not set up for this system, and it's not—and we've not signed enough players to to be used to Marsh's system. No, I think that's still that is still something that bugs me to this day. That they, one of the main reasons they said for Marsh being the successor to Bielsa was we think that his style of football is is like a good match and a good way to follow on. And honestly, and this I'm not even saying this isn't an insult, it's just an observation. It's fucking it's closer to Warnock than it is Bielsa in terms of its a lot of its principles, which can work, but it just isn't gonna I just don't see it working. I think that I've said all the way through, I think that we will stay up and I still think we will. But I can't see a ceiling of any higher than sort of 12th with this. And nah, I'd... I, I just don't, I just don't, I, I don't see any signs of progression. And the thing is that, you know, when we, when he was just sticking five at the back and sticking Rafinha at wing back, I was like, yeah, but he hasn't had any time. So he's just doing what he can to get results. So I was all right with it. That's not where we are now. Now the football's just shit and the football is just shit. There isn't a because this. There is, that's just all it is. And I just, I do, I would, um, I'd be very interested to see what another coach would do. But I also, I also don't think that he's done enough to get sacked either. Well, I said before, if he didn't get sacked after the Fulham game, I don't think he's going to. I see. I would argue if you look at the run of games we've got coming now, 
up until we play Chelsea on the 4th of March. So, and I'm, I'm not including Cardiff in this because I imagine that could be... Who, who cares? We'll, we'll make 11 changes. Yeah. So we've got, to, you know, seven games in the league now. Up until then, we've got uh, West Ham, Villa, Brentford, Forest, Scum, Everton, Southampton. That, that is a fairly kind run. It, it's a very kind run. And if that goes wrong, yeah, you, you, you know, I, I look at that and just think, we're going to lose one of those easier games. Like, we absolutely well, yeah. will. I, I, at the level of side we are, you do lose games like that. But I would argue, out of those seven games, uh, out of those seven games, you've got to win three of them. Like we're about to yeah, play, like... we're about to play West Ham, who've lost five in a row. Brentford, uh, a mid-table team. Forest are down it... there. I think that saying that we need to win three is probably fair, and probably fairer than a lot of Leeds fans will be. I think a lot of Leeds fans would say four. But I'm uh, just looking at it and going, West Ham, I've had a look. The bookies are like 50-50. You know, hmm. pretty much dead even odds. Villa is away, so Villa will be favourites. Brentford are flying, so Brentford may well be oh, favourites. Yeah. Nottingham Forest away... Forest will probably be slight favourites for that game with the Bookies. Scum, they'll be favourites. Everton is an away game, so they'll probably be favourites. At home to Southampton, yeah, we're favourites and we absolutely should win that game. Hmm. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Leeds need to win three of them. But what I'm saying is that I think that we could easily... Like, I mean, knowing us, we could easily win fucking none of them. But we... I think that that could... I keep looking at those fixtures and thinking that is the winnable run of fixtures. And I, th I think there's only one of them where the we'll go into it as like out-and-out Bucky's favourites. Yeah. Because um... we're just not... Because we're not a good side. But I do think we will get... I think that we'll get more results from that. Such a shame that we're playing Forest now instead of when we... I mean, it was the, it was the home game, wasn't it, that got called off? Yeah. Um, if we could have played them back then when they were shit, not now when they're some good. Yeah, it's, I look at that run and just think, like if we, if I'd say if we only win two, I, I think Marsh has got to be in trouble there because the, those that, like I said, that's a run of of games where we need to pick up points. Um, because after after that, as I kind of look through the fixtures, after that run, it's kind of play play a team in our part of the table, then play someone good. Yeah. Um, I'm just. And this is first time I've looked at it in a while. I've just had a look at the relegation odds. We are sick favourites, and there's a bit of a jump to be honest. Bournemouth two to five, Forest four to six, Southampton four to five, then Wolves eleven to eight, Everton thirteen to eight, and then it's us at nine to two. Yeah, I, uh, looking at the league I, table, I think part of that will be down to how much better our goal difference is than than Forest, Wolves, and Southampton. So although we are only 
two points ahead of Forest. I know, I know it's a ridiculous part of the season to be saying this, but our goal difference is that much better. It's it's three. Yeah, it is basically another point. And also, like, we'd level on points with Bournemouth, but theirs is 12 worse. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting one. As I, I think we'll, I think we'll get away with it. I think we'll be okay, but it's not been good. And I, ju- I just don't see where the progression's going to come from at the minute. But we'll see through January. Maybe sign a couple of players. Maybe it's Gikares. Maybe it's Che Adams. Maybe whoever it John, is. John Swift. His contracts. I <laughs> know oh, that was last season. Um, the 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 flip side of that is. On, on on top of the negative, well, sort of putting to one side the negativity of the last two performances. If we beat West Ham and we get four points from these last three games, it's actually a good run there. That yeah, we've played I, Man City, I, Newcastle, and West Ham, and you got four points. Because I'm a bit out of it, I can't find it. But I have got a note somewhere that says if we beat West Ham, that Newcastle result becomes a great result. Yeah, like it, it's, it's already a really it's already a really good one, but it's it becomes a brilliant result if we beat West Ham. Uh, so we'll talk about West Ham game. Uh, quarter to eight tomorrow night. Uh, as you, I was going to say, West Ham are seventeenth. As you mentioned earlier, they've lost the last five in the league, uh, and also got knocked out of the league cup in that time. Uh, Moyes is under quite a lot of pressure. They're not happy. It's only because he had such a good season last season that he's getting away with it. Um, that that was what made me look at the odds because I originally said first time in a while we'll have been favourites for a match, and then I looked at the odds, and we are, but by this much. It's we are. It's basically fifty-fifty. I, I have to say, I'm looking at the stats for the, for their game against Brentford the other day. They lost. They lost two 0 They had sixty-four percent possession. They had twenty shots to Brentford's nine. Uh, what one hundred and twenty odd? Uh, sorry, two hundred and twenty passes more. Yeah, looks so. It looks like it's, they were a bit unlucky. It's it's a football manager result if ever I've seen yeah. one. I, all uh, I've seen of that game is, you know, the Sky Sports YouTube channel, like, three-minute highlights. That's all I've seen, so I can't Yeah. Um, I, the... oh, I, I was going to say, looking at their squad, their big thing is still the problem they had last season. They needed a striker because Antonio, for everything he's good at, isn't really a striker. Spent £35 million on Skamaka, and he hasn't scored in 10, and Moyes keeps not playing him and playing Antonio anyway. They need to just play Skamaka until he's in form, and then they'll be a well, lot he did, better. He did. He did start against Brentford. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they they've done what we've done is see an issue and just go. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. They threw a load of money at it, and it's gone horribly wrong because it's West Ham, and that's what yeah. they do. They are. Cur- they have, for the most part, been cursed with strikers. I can't, I can't wait for him to... I, I, like, I know it's not where he came from, but I can't wait for him to go to Ajax and get a hat-trick in his first game. Yeah, they've had a weird thing where if you go through like every striker they've signed since about 2003, the only one that's been an unmitigated success is Mikel Antonio, who they signed as a right-back. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, we did We did speak about uh, Ricardo Vazte last week. Yeah, Ricardo Vazte. Uh, remember that Savio that they bought for nearly £10 million and then a year later he was playing in the German 4th Division? Like it was, they're a bit weird and stuff like that. Um, looking at their team, yeah, the striker is a problem. They should create more than they do. Uh, ben Ramlin bowing out wide with Lucas Paqueta at 10. There is absolutely no excuse for that not being really good. Uh, and then they've got Lanzini as well as a to play 10. Corner can play wide. That Pablo Fall is pretty good as well. 
Pentamid partnership license Suchek is quality. Although, by all accounts, Suchek has not been nearly as good this season. That's one of their big problems. for Because them as a partnership were brilliant last year. Hmm. Uh, and by the sounds of it, he hasn't been as good. Although, the thing that I was looking at is their, their defence. I can see why they've conceded a few. Like, centre-backs. Got Craig Dawson, who is solid and has been for a long time, but not no better than that. That Aguirre that they bought for like 30 million has been injured all season. Kurt Zuma is a good defender, but, you know, he's a twat. Uh, and um, Ogbonna isn't what he was. Right-backs, Soufal did really well last season, but by all accounts, another that's dropped right off and that Ben Johnson's played a few games. Left-back, Emerson Palmieri, who they've got off Chelsea, but has never really done it in the Premier League. And Aaron Cresswell, who's about 35 now. Which is one of those annoying ones because I remember, look, you know, seeing like young Aaron. He's, he's only thirty three actually, but I remember you know young Ipswich Town Aaron Cresswell and thinking he looked really good, and now he's a aging player who's at the back end of his career. Uh, um, Fab, Fabianski's a decent keeper, and if they decided to play him, Ariola is also a good keeper. But like, that defense. If, if we can actually just pass the ball a little bit, you'd back us to create chances. Calm down now. <laughs> yeah, like, going, going, going forward, I know one of the things we've struggled with against them in the last few years has been the, the aerial threat. But we dealt with it so well against Newcastle, I can't see it being a problem again. Um, yeah, but like you say, you, you look at that team and think it's it's, it's there to be got at. There's, there's a reason they are where they are. The, the only issue is I'll, I'll look at the amount of chances they created against a, a well-organised Brentford team and they, they got 20 shots in that one and, just make, and it just makes me worry. Ah, shit, we're not that well-organised. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, it's a bit... When I was looking at this, my first thought was both teams to score. <laughs> to be honest, that was my first thought looking at the lineups. Um Obviously, we've gone through theirs. Do you think we'll change much from the Newcastle game? Like, do you think Christensen will come back in? Rocker for four, sure. I think those two... I'm trying to think whether... Whether you do something with Harrison... Or whether he stays, because I think Nanta had a decent game. Um, the chances he got on the ball. Brendan Aronson is good. He will play. I'm getting steadily more and more frustrated with him. You ruined him for me. I didn't yeah. notice. Do you want to ruin it for the listeners? Because I think I've actually heard other people talking about it now, so it's fine. Yeah, it turns out he's very soft. <laughs> And that yeah. man goes down and stays down. You're just like, no, mate, they are counter-attacking. Get up. Yeah, I haven't particularly noticed it about him, and you said it once in the pub, and ever since, I'm just like, oh, God, he does it all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. He, he's he's another one where... I'd... Obviously, look good the the, the early stages in, in a, when we, were, we had those first few games of the season where we played quite well. Um I don't know where he best fits in this team at the moment. Like, I know he'll be in the team, 
I do wonder, by the way, I actually think that he might drop out for this one. It sort of depends what formation. If he goes 4-3-3, then I think he'll drop out. If he goes 4-2-3-1, he'll probably move back into 10. But I was thinking that because uh, he got Somerville off the bench against Newcastle, I wonder if Somerville's in line to start this one. And I thought yeah. that this might this might be the one that Aronson misses, but it's it's it'd be an odd one in as much as that Aronson was the one he clearly trusted to to lead the press against Man City, which still seems like a bit of an odd move now. I mean, I know it's because we don't have any other strikers and Rodrigo isn't the pressing type. Mm. Um, I, I, I still think the best like the best we've played so far this season has been Harrison on the left, Aronson on the right. And I don't know if switching Harrison and Nonto would, would make any difference to us if we stuck with a, a 4-2-3-1. Um, or whether... Nonto probably doesn't get as much space if he's playing in the middle. I, Whoever's I, playing in the middle doesn't get as much space given how yeah, we play. I, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what what I would do, but I wouldn't be playing Nonto in the middle. I don't think. No, I unfortunately, and this is kind of what I was talking about earlier in terms of the change in styles. Now is that. At no point in the last two seasons did I look and think, well, Jack Harrison is clearly the problem here. But we have we have changed the system and we have made signings that just move him out of his best position. Like, he is a left winger. I know yeah. he can play as an inside forward, but he is a left winger. Yeah. And we've moved away from a system that suits him now. So, that, But even when we play him at 10, he seems to drift out there anyway because that's where he feels most comfortable um and like like it didn't work i don't think he did anything particularly badly against newcastle i just don't think it worked um but i also don't know who in the squad you play there if you play with a 10 because again if you move aronson across then like somerville can play on the right i suppose well, I, that, I would, I would, uh, I would quite like to see some of them back in, just because. I mean, obviously, it's been such a gap that the, the form doesn't matter. But it was playing so well before the break. Yeah, I would really like to see us getting back in. And obviously, I am even from before that form. I'm like his biggest fan. So, and especially against a team who you'd like to think we'd be going after. Yeah, well, we've got to go after this game, like we just do. Uh, if we don't, like, we do not have to win this game. It's too early in the season for it to be must win. I'd probably go as far as it's must not lose. Yeah. But I think that, like, if we drew this game, but we actually got after them and put in a good performance, you know, created something. Like, actually, so some cohesive attacking play. I think that people would come away with it going... All right. Well, at least there was something there. At, at least in the game, at least in the games where you should be picking up points, you've actually had a gone go after and... it and, and attempted to get them. Um, so hopefully, we see something like that because, I mean, yeah, it's very proper football man speak, but these are a team that if you get after them, they do make mistakes. 
and I, I just don't I don't rate that backline. So I'd quite like us to get after them. But uh, yeah, my first thought when I looked at this was um, both teams to score. And the score that I've written down was 2-all. Because I think that the same thing will happen to us at the other end. I'm going to say 3-2 to us. Because I have to specify these things now. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, and we were sort of, I mean, we were right about two of them. But like both of us have predicted losses in the last three games. Uh, and I've actually predicted it in the last four. So, um, uh, and for a bet, uh, I do actually have one if you don't already. Um, uh, I've gone for a fairly simple one because it's a special. And as I said, I'm expecting a high scoring game. Uh, each team, two or more shots on target in each half, five to one. Which is actually quite, it sounds like a much easier bet than it is. It's actually quite rare, that number of shots on target, but I think there'll be quite a few in this game. Uh, I found a a power price on Paddy Ooh. Power. And it's uh, Thomas Suchek to have one or more headed shot on target at three to one. Right. You're liking three to one lately. I'm playing it safe. It's yeah. not working. No, it's not. For either of us, we're nowhere near. Uh, so, is this, yeah, a, is this is this betting thing? Is it an exercise in futility? Is that what you're saying? It I mean, my, not my actual one. I'm up. But in this, <laughs> yeah, I'm miles down. <laughs> I say up. I'm up because I had a good World Cup. I wouldn't be up without that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Michael just just dropped the message saying West Ham have conceded goals in their last eight games. I say, I've, I think both teams to score. I would, depending on, I mean, I, you, I can't, but because I'm miles down in this, there's no point having just like both teams to score, but I bet that it's quite heavily odds on because like it just should be in this game. Um, so we're, we're both at this game, Casey, which will be nice. So, sorry, just I just had to, uh, I had to count through that, excluding the Newcastle game. Leeds have conceded in their previous eight league games. <laughs> yeah, and we should have conceded at least two in the Newcastle game, really. That is sandwiched in between two nil nils. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, both teams score. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, right. yeah, it'll be it'll be nice. This is this is probably the last game I'm gonna go to for a while. Yeah. Shout out to Owen for being on holiday. Good lad, Owen. If you, if you want to go on holiday more, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that will do us for episode 192 of the podcast. I am... Jack. Not a hun- yeah, no, very good. Uh, no, I'm not sure what day we'll be back, but the the Cardiff game's Sunday, isn't it? Uh, sorry, I've, I've scrolled too far now from counting all the goals we conceded. Yes, Sunday, 2 o'clock. Uh, right, well... It'll be well, one of the evenings this week will be on, uh, whichever one works out best for timing. Uh, but yeah, we'll be talking about this, and hopefully, we can be. Oh, god, I hope we're celebrating a win because we really, really need one here. It just turned everything, it turned the whole atmosphere around for about a week until the cup. 
Oh, I have no doubt. I, I, I don't know what score I'm going to go for, but I'm telling you right now, we're losing it, Cardi. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish uh, Jesse would pull up Marcelo Bielsa and just announce the team at the press conference so we yeah. can all... Yeah, Max, Max, Max we're going to send like 8,000 fans down there on a Sunday for a reserve side when there's no trains and <laughs> it's going to be awful and we're going to lose like... 1-0, and it's going to be Max Verber with an own goal on his debut. <laughs> ah, mate, Matteo Joseph opens his account. We lose like, 3-1. There's all... There is, like, so many tickets that it would have been so easy to get one for this one, and I've got family that live, like, 25 minutes drive away from that stadium, and I'm still not going. <laughs> it's going to be horrendous. Uh, but yeah, that'll do us for episode 192. I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a good one. In a bit.